good to see you. Uh, we are in the middle of the series called Stories from the Seats, um, and we believe that this is really important. We believe that sharing stories, uh, it's an important part of our faith journey. It helps us grow closer to God. And uh, what we want you to know is that while we share our stories, these aren't just... Um, these aren't just that. They're not just stories. They're not just little situations where we're like, oh, cool, yay, God, right? We really want you to listen and think about how does this relate to my life, right? If God showed up in this way in somebody else's life, how might he be showing up in my life, and how can I be looking for him? So we want to challenge you that way. Um, at this time, I want to introduce someone that you already know. Her name's Zoe, and she's super cool. Hey, guys. Holla. Holla. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with Zoe for the past, like, two years? Yeah. Yeah, about two years. And uh, I've had the opportunity also to hear her awesome story, and uh, God's just really at work in her life. And I really hope that y'all can open your, your ears and your hearts uh, to hear what God has to say to you. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then you just go for it, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Sounds cool. great. All right, let's pray together. Well, Father, right now, I just thank you. Uh, I thank you for Zoe, and I thank you for everybody who's in this room. God, I thank you that through every story um, and in every moment, Father, you have something to say to us. God, through your Holy Spirit, you want to uh, reach us, and you want us to hear your voice, and you want us to listen to you. So God, I just ask that um, Zoe's words would be yours, that you would calm any awkward nerves or randomness uh, going on in her head or her heart right now, and uh, yeah, Father, that you would just be in this room and help us be aware of you in this room. We thank you for all these things. We love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Cool. You're good. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Hi, guys. Wow, I see my small group out there. Hi, girls. Um, okay, like they said, my name is Zoe Nanke, and I'm a junior studying communication, and I also have a minor in music um, at UNI. I also intern here at Orchard Hill Church with the worship team, and I have two jobs. I'm a server at Whiskey Road on Main Street, and I also work on campus doing internal communication, so I'm super busy. Um, I'm originally from Cedar Rapids. I think they have a picture of my fam. Yep, there we are. So right next to me is my mom, Jen. Uh, she works with special needs students at the elementary school in the Linmar District. Uh, my dad is an accountant at Transamerica, and my sister is right next to my dad, that's Izzy. Um, she's a junior in high school, and honestly, she's more talented than I ever was in high school, so she's awesome. Um, in the plaid is Sam, and he's a freshman. He could probably pick up any instrument and learn it in two days, which I'm super jealous about because I can kind of play piano and kind of play guitar, but he like learned guitar or ukulele in like a day and a half so and then next to him is Eli and he's in sixth grade and he has more energy than like probably this entire room combined so that's my fam um so would you guys pray with me quick before we start uh father god thank you for stories um thank you for um the students in this room god um they each have an amazing story and um, God, I just pray that throughout this series that they would start to think about their own story and think about um, actively trying to see you in their lives every day, God, because that's a new story. Um, so I just pray that you would bless this time here and open our hearts and minds um, to what you have to say to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, I grew up in a Lutheran home, going to Sunday school and church every Sunday, and went through confirmation when I was old enough in middle school. I moved churches in seventh grade and joined a small group with some of my best friends still to this day. I never really got what having a relationship with Christ was until my summer after my sophomore year of high school. But first, let's talk about my first two years of high school. 
Going into my freshman year, I met a boy through youth group. He seemed nice and he went to church, so I thought it was perfect. His name was Kevin. He and I connected right away, but the rule in my house was no dating until you were 16, so we got to know each other as friends. In May, he was supposed to come to my last home track meet, but he never showed up. I didn't hear from him for a few weeks until I saw him one Sunday at church. He pulled me aside and I asked him what happened to him. He told me that he had gotten arrested at school because he had marijuana in his car and his parents had taken his phone away. I knew that marijuana was bad, but I was only 14, so I didn't really understand. But my parents did and told me that I wasn't allowed to talk to him anymore. He didn't have his phone for the next few months, so I didn't really have a choice. Kevin was on the Sunday morning worship team with my dad, and he apologized and said that it wouldn't happen again. And with some convincing from me, we were allowed to hang out again, but only in group situations. We spent a lot of time together at summer ministry events, as well as with my friends. I'm a very social butterfly, so I have a lot of friends, but Kevin didn't really seem to have many at all. Slowly, our relationship turned into manipulation and control. My boyfriend turned into my God, and I was going to church only to please my parents and appear like everything was okay. I wasn't allowed to have friends of the opposite sex, according to him. I wasn't even allowed to be at friends' houses if boys were there. That bugged me, so I did it anyways, because who was he to tell me who I couldn't and couldn't hang out with? But when he found out who I was with, my phone would buzz with calls, and when I didn't answer, voicemails and even text messages came until I would answer him. I would leave the room for at least a 45-minute phone call at a time with him begging me to leave and yelling at me, telling me that I had to leave. He told me I wasn't allowed to wear makeup because who was I trying to impress? And he got jealous of my dance partners and show choir. I slowly started to turn away from my friends and my family because everyone tried to tell me that he was bad news, but I just wouldn't listen. One day in October, as I was walking to class, I heard people in the hallway talking about how he had gotten arrested yet again at school for having drugs on him. And I couldn't believe it. A few days later, he was back at school and found me. I tried my best to ignore him, but that just gave him, gave him an excuse to yell and make a scene. He would yell and hit trash cans and whatever else was around. I felt like I had no choice but, continue, but to continue to talk to him. I st started to sneak around with him because by this point my parents didn't approve at all. I found any excuse I could to go to school early or to stay late because that was really the only time that I could see him. But then I got my school permit and I broke that by driving to his house every morning instead. The pressure to do things sexually with him got very intense and it was affecting how I was doing in school and in my extracurricular activities. It was taking over my life. I couldn't do anything without having to be in constant contact with him, otherwise the continuous calls and text messages would pour in. He would say things like, you're a terrible girlfriend. Why won't you talk to me? What's wrong with me? Don't ever talk to me again. Directly followed by, I'm so sorry. Don't you know that I love you and I just want, just want us to be happy? I can't lose you. Various things happened the rest of my freshman year that should have been red flags, but I was so manipulated by him that I just didn't see it. I found out that he had cheated on me with a girl in my show choir, and the controlling and manipulation greatened, as well as the sexual pressure. He was one person at church, and then a few hours later, a completely different person. What started as a God-centered relationship quickly turned into Kevin being the God of our relationship. He was pressuring me sexually with things that, as a 14-year-old, I had no idea what they were. He was two years older than me, so I figured that this was just something that happened once he got older. I was embarrassed and frankly ashamed. 
I'd over and over again told Kevin that I was uncomfortable with all of this, and I didn't think it was right. This wasn't what we were taught at church. But that only made him angrier and want those things even more. The summer going into my sophomore year of high school, I was becoming more and more disrespectful and defiant against my parents. I had basically told them that I didn't care what they thought I was going to date Kevin, whether they liked it or not. I think that they were hoping that this was just a phase I was going through, so after many fights, they gave up. Looking back, I wish they would have punished me more and stood their ground, but there was no getting through to me, and I had to figure this out on my own. Going into my sophomore year, he took me to the woods behind my church, even though I didn't want to go. In fear of not wanting him to physically hurt me, I let him have sex with me. I just needed to get it over with so that I could get away from him. I was hoping that after that night, it was just a one-time thing, but for Kevin, it was an every day, or at least every time we hung out type of thing. When I would ask if we could just hang out, he would get mad and say that that was all I ever wanted to do, but could you blame me? I was only 15. Um, this turned into me driving to his house every morning before school, just for like 20 minutes, so that he could get what he wanted. And one morning, it backfired. His dad had forgotten something, so he came back to his house while we were there. I will never forget the way my parents looked at me that night when I got home from school. I already had an uneasy relationship with them, but this just set it over the edge. My dad was scared for me, and my mom looked at me with disgust. Kevin wanted to hear the entire conversation with my parents, so he told me that I had to call him and put him on speakerphone so that he could hear what my parents were saying. My anxiety was getting the best of me, and I couldn't stay there. My feet stood me up, and I ran out of my house with my dad chasing after me. I've never been afraid of my dad, but that night I was. Not that he would hurt me, but he was so scared that his scaredness came off as such anger. I went to LCR, the church that Carter Moore was working at at the time. Um, he helped me through that night, and now he's one of my mentors here at UNI. Talk about God's perfect placement of people. After that night, I started distancing myself from Kevin as best I could, which made him only angrier. And with, that angry, and with that anger, he became violent towards school officials, and he started to get suspended. Then he just stopped coming to school altogether and eventually got expelled. That really helped me because I didn't have to face him at school. But that didn't stop my phone from blowing up, but that was easier to control than face-to-face -face contact. With no friends, no family support, and ultimately no relationship with God, I felt completely helpless. I realized that I couldn't heal alone. I needed people around me. So I started to get closer with my friends, again, both male and female. Kevin found out, and he didn't like that. In his eyes, I still belonged to him. Over spring break, I had soccer conditioning practices down on the soccer field. On Wednesday of that week after practice, I was walking up to my car. I had parked in the music lot because that's where I always parked, which meant I was walking up there alone. As I got up the hill, I saw Kevin standing at my car, waiting for me. I couldn't run away. So I walked up and tried to get into my car. He pushed me away from it and started screaming at me. He said in between hits, things like, how could I do this to him? Didn't I know that he loved me? I was such a slut for talking to other people and was an immature bitch that was ruining his life. I think he called me any and every hurtful name that you could call a woman that day. Once I finally got out, I went straight home crying uncontrollably. When I got home, it barely fazed my parents that I was crying, and when I tried telling them what had happened, they didn't really seem to care. They had given up on me. 
In efforts to regain a broken friendship, I went on my high school youth group's mission trip to YWAM in Louisville, Kentucky. Through powerful worship nights and service projects, I felt my heart opening back up to God. But this time, it was in a, in a completely new light. On our, on our night off, we had a worship night complete with time to give our chains, to give up the chains that were holding us back from God. They played the song Break Every Chain by Will Reagan on what felt like repeat, and we were given slips of paper with chains printed across it, sort of like the ones that are sitting on your guys' chairs. I hope everyone got one. If you didn't, make sure that you get one. We were to write what our chains were on the slip of paper, and, we were, and when we were ready, drop them in a bucket in front of the cross, letting it go and giving them to the Lord. I wrote one word, Kevin, but I couldn't do it. I didn't want to give it up because that's what we were supposed to do. That was just another empty action. But my leader for the week, as well as my once best friend, saw me struggling and asked to pray for me. I told myself that after they prayed, I'd look at it one last time and finally give my chains, my life, to God. And when I looked at that slip of paper, the chains once printed on that paper had physically vanished from the paper and I knew that my life was in God's hands. Let me say that again. The ink from the piece of paper, just like the ones that you're holding, was gone. I was looking at a white slip of paper with writing on it. It sounds crazy, I know. Sometimes I'm like, did that really happen? But it really did, it vanished. And that's only possible through God's power. Since then, it has not been an easy road. I've had many self-image struggles. Being in a sexually, emotionally, and physically abusive relationship for two years really takes a toll on someone. Last spring, four years after this relationship ended, I was still feeling the effects from it. I had buried a lot of what I was feeling and what had happened to me. I went to the UNI Counseling Center once a week and met with a counselor to work through what I was feeling. A lot of things came up that I had forgotten about, but I had to work through it if how I felt about myself was ever going to get better. I realized I couldn't be in another healthy and loving relationship until I learned how to love myself again first. I found a passion for high school students. This summer, I was given the opportunity to work with high school students for two different weeks. I met my good friend Casey Gaylord one weekend when he came up to visit another friend. He highly encouraged me to apply to be a huddle leader at Summer Games, Summer Games University at Grinnell College, which turned out to be one of the best experiences I've ever had volunteering. Seeing the transformation of my own huddle throughout the week was so inspiring, and that's what I want, a childlike faith, not afraid to ask questions and be vulnerable without the pressure of having to feel like I know it all. I also went to New York with Big House and got to lead 300 high school students in worship all week, as well as lead a small group. It was so cool to connect with them and hear the questions that were running through their minds. I found a passion for leading others to our Lord through music, which is what, now what I want to do after I graduate. I was also able to travel to Haiti last spring break, and I'm going back for 17 days in March. Haiti changed my heart. I didn't fully realize what it did to me until it was 3 a.m. and we were loading the bus to leave. Haitians' love for God is so raw and so pure. God is the one steady and constant thing in their lives. They do everything that they do in their lives, 100% for the glory of our King. That's how we all should live. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the glory and fame of life. But if we're not doing it to bring him the glory and fame, then we're just wasting our times. I'm a planner. I like to have an idea of what's going to happen in a month, 
a year, five years, but you never know. My friend Ben said something to me in Haiti that's really stuck with me. He told me that I have a lot of reasons to be mad at God. He told me that I deserve some good luck. It's a running joke that bad luck follows me, which is kind of true, but he's right. I do have a lot of reasons to be mad at God, but God has put me in these situations for specific reasons that maybe I don't even know why yet. I'm just trying to live out a life for Christ, hoping to be a gateway to the Lord through my own gifts and passions that he has given me. With the support of my newfound friendships and reconnecting my relationships with my family, I'm living my life for the Lord as best I can. Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I am a child of God. We are all children of God. I have been made perfect in his eyes, so what anyone else has said about me or to me does not matter. And this is true for each and every one of you. God never gives up on you. Even if you give up on yourself like I did, God never will give up on you. He breaks you free from the chains of this world that are holding you back. He is the one to rest in, to find refuge in, because he never stops. Um, I'm going to invite the band up, or just Bradley right now. Um, and uh, I want to give you guys a chance to do what I did, to give your chains to God with actual slips of paper like I had. So those pieces of paper that were on your seat when you came in, um, go ahead and grab those. And what I, what I want you to do is they're going to dim the lights. And while uh, Bradley is playing, I want you guys to spend some time talking to the Lord. I want you to figure out what's holding you back from him. And then the cross is set up over there. Yeah, the cross is set up over there, and when you're ready, I want you to take one last look at your chain, and then I want you to go lay it at the foot of the cross. Um, lay it there and lean into him for comfort. I want you to challenge, I want to challenge you to really challenge yourself and reflect and spend some time with the Lord. I know sometimes when we're given reflection times, our minds wander. I know I'm guilty of it. It's really easy just to sit there while the lights are off and to start thinking about other things in our life. But there's something about the physicality of having a piece of paper and actually spending time so that you can write down what's holding you back and then looking at what it is that can be so powerful. So what's holding you back from fully living in the grace and the love and the forgiveness from God? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for tonight, God. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your forgiveness when we don't deserve it. I don't deserve your grace and your forgiveness, God, but thank you for it. Thank you for sending your son, God, to die so that nights like this can happen. God, I pray for each of these students that they can really spend some time with you, God, and that they can figure out what's holding them back from taking that next step towards you. And I just pray, God, that what you place in their heart, God, that once they put it on that piece of paper and lay it at the foot of the cross, God, that, that it's done with their lives. And I know that that doesn't mean completely done because that's, honestly, that's not really possible. But I pray that they can really make an effort to stay away from whatever is holding them back from you, God, because living in you, God, is awesome. Being with you, Nothing else compares to it. So God, I pray that you would bless this time. And as we go to small groups, God, after this, I just pray that um, that some really good and honest conversations can happen. Um, we love you a lot, Lord.
It's in your name that I pray. Amen.